Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rouse Review. I am your city manager, Dan Hoffman, and with me is Amy Simmons, our communication director. Hello, Amy. Hello. How's it going today? It's going very well. Is that your radio voice? <laughs> it is. Is you've it been, better than last time? Working. It's always good. You. Uh, <laughs> it is. I can't even say that it's improving each time because it's just been great from the start. Thank you. I hope. Uh, I hope you did well in the snow. Uh, well, I stayed warm. I did not go out in it. Oh. So I did quite well, actually. Well, you're from Georgia, but you've been up here forever. forever so at this yeah. point, you're used to the snow. I'm very used to it. Yeah, it doesn't freak me out anymore, even the big ones. Yeah, people keep ask, telling me, oh, you know, how are you liking this snow? Because I just moved up here from Florida. And I was only in Florida for three years. Yeah, and you were from I, Maryland, right? Yeah, I spent 20 years in D.C. So Yeah, old pro. <clears throat> I'm, I know a little bit about snow. Uh, so I, I will say I've been very pleased with how city operations have performed. Granted, we did have to close on Monday just to make sure that uh, everyone stayed safe. And we, we opened a little late on Tuesday. Uh, but I'll tell you, our roads looked great. We're going to talk to Perry Eisenach, our public services director, in a minute. And he oversees, uh, one of the things he oversees is uh, snow removal yeah. and that crew I tell you they are just top-notch the roads um, very quickly were were cleared I mean to be honest with you we we only opened a little bit late on Tuesday out of out of an abundance of caution because of um, our employees traveling in from exactly, other places exactly yeah. and just to brag on us a little bit we I think have our streets cleared uh, a little faster than many jurisdictions around us so I, but I do have a lot of employees that, that live, uh, you know, in some cases an hour or two away. Yeah, in uh, West Virginia, it got hit a lot harder than we did. Exactly. So I got to be careful. Uh, we all have to be careful um, yes. when we're dealing with employees. So um, I am I'm very proud of our crew and, and how they operated. Uh, but now we're all back and ready for another week. And tomorrow uh, we have a city council meeting so yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about what's on the regular agenda Alrighty, we have several public hearings one of them is some new cares act funding which is exciting it's a resolution to authorize over three hundred and fifteen thousand uh, dollars through the community development block grant coronavirus program for emergency rental utility payments and food assistance so those who are needing assistance who are impacted by the pandemic can uh, apply for that. Come, and more information will be posted about that after uh, council has a chance to review it. Um, just a quick note, though, we uh, have used all of our previous CARES Act funding for utility payments. So that's exciting and also mm -hmm. a little sad for those who still need it. So this might come in handy for those who did not get to. Absolutely. Previously, it was, uh, it was very popular before. And I know between that funding and the, the other funding we had for rental assistance, we, right. pre we uh, prevented dozens and dozens of evictions. So mm -hmm. a very successful program. Yep. So, uh, but we do still have the payment plan option for those who do not qualify or, or don't have um, access to that grant program. So uh, there's another public hearing coming up on the 9th, and that is a second reading for the rezoning of the uh, Linden Drive project. So the rezoning will allow for uh, those 300 condos, over 140 townhouses, and 160 active adult multifamily units. So that is going to go up for vote after the public hearing. And then there's a second reading also for another vote 
uh, for an ordinance to amend the city code to prohibit the position, carrying, and transportation of firearms and ammunition. This one is the one that you've been talking with council about, correct? Yep. So second reading, meaning it's the, the third time it's been discussed. So we've been talking with council about this for, for over a month now. And of course, that doesn't include um, all of the discussion that happened last year at the state level. This The language for this ordinance comes directly out of uh, state law. So all of the discussion and deliberation that occurred in Richmond when this was initially allowed um, Remember, we're a Dillon rule state. We talked a little bit about that last right, time uh, on the last podcast. So if you aren't familiar with what a Dillon rule state uh, is, uh, check out our last podcast. But uh, the language, we, we have to be specifically allowed to do something, and we can't really vary from that. So the language for this comes directly out of state law. Uh, so yes, this will be second reading, and it'll go into uh, effect thereafter. All right, so on the agenda is a first reading, which means there's no action taken. Uh, for zoning ordinance text amendment to allow for some additional bonuses for developers to increase their density. So uh, if council decides to move that forward, it will return to the February 23rd meeting for a public hearing and vote. And then uh, we have some great news. Do you want to tell us about the great news? Uh, Yes. So our finance department um, has identified an opportunity for us to take advantage of incredibly low interest rates uh, to save about $1.2 million. It could go up a little bit, possibly, depending on what the rates uh, actually lock in at, but I got to compliment Mary Blow and Celeste Broadstreet over there, along with that entire team. They're always looking for ways to to save the city money, and they have found uh, quite a nice one, which will come in handy because um, you know, we're obviously going into budget season and, uh, you know, there, although some of our revenue streams are still strong, some have been hit by the pandemic. So this is going to come in handy. Great. So that is basically all the topics of interest for the regular meeting. Why don't you tell us about the work session? It looks like another short one. Yeah, this will be a quick work session. The whole meeting, uh, in and of itself, I think will actually be a pretty, uh, concise meeting, uh, on the work session that occurs after the regular meeting. Uh, We're discussing an MOU between the uh, the city, the county, and the Visitors Bureau. It's pretty simple. Uh, There's been some articles in the paper about it. Uh, The city and the county both fund uh, the Visitors Bureau. This just uh, outlines how we do that. Uh, And then an executive discussion, um, I'm sorry, an executive session to discuss uh, a contract. So executive session means a closed meeting. Now, some people might might ask, how, how can you do that? How can you do something outside of the, the public view? That's not transparent. Well, uh, executive sessions are actually really important and help the public and help save taxpayer dollars. So imagine uh, if the city had to negotiate or discuss the negotiation of a contract, um, but those people that we were going to negotiate with could hear everything that we were saying. It would be like going to a going to a car dealership to buy a car, and you step off to the side to discuss with your spouse um, whether or not you want the car, how much you're willing to pay for the car. <laughs> but the the car dealer, the car salesman, gets to listen into everything you're telling your spouse. Uh, it's kind of like that. So you not, wouldn't you wouldn't want that. It probably would not help you save money. Yeah, not quite fair, is it? Not fair. Uh, so. We have to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. Uh, so occasionally we can enter into these executive sessions 
which uh, allow us to, in essence, plan and negotiate for the best deal for the taxpayers um, without um, uh, fear of that information uh, being used against the taxpayers, in essence. Uh, we can also do executive sessions for security-related issues. For example, if we're discussing uh, sensitive personnel information or sensitive uh, information about the security of City Hall, um, we can do that in executive session to make sure that that information is not used to harm anybody uh, working or visiting uh, one of our facilities. Yeah, and then also all those reasons for allowing communities to have closed meetings is all allowed by Virginia law, the FOIA mm -hmm. laws, Freedom of Information Act. So we can only go into closed meetings for those exclusions, basically. Absolutely. And what's discussed in that closed meeting has to stay in that closed meeting. It's actually, um, there are penalties if someone who was in a closed meeting were to disclose that information outside of the meeting, you know, that it has the potential, um, you know, going back to the negotiation analogy, you know, it has the potential to, to really cost the city, you know, in some cases, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, if some of that information were released, uh, or even worse, uh, if security information, let's say about uh, City Hall were released or one of our facilities, someone could use that information to harm uh, people on one of our properties. So it, it's a very serious thing. We take it very seriously. And uh, counselors all have to attest uh, after the session that nothing was discussed, that shouldn't have been discussed there. Um, so, and our, and our city attorney monitors that as well. So it, it is a, it's an important tool for us. It's not meant to try to hide things. Uh, it's really meant to protect our operations and, um, empower us to be good stewards of taxpayer resources. Well, great. Well, that is a very short work session. I'm sure everybody will be excited to have a short meeting. Uh, yes. I, we, I love uh, council meetings. You know, they're, it's the work of the people, but um, I don't think anybody's going to complain about a late, late schedule. Correct. So what's next on the, uh, next on the schedule for uh, this podcast? Okay, and here we have now with us Perry Eisenach, my public services director, your public services director. Uh, now, in a lot of different cities, public services uh, departments do a variety of different things. In some cities down in the south, they have mosquito control. Uh, in some cities, they have transportation. In others, they don't have transportation. Uh, almost all of them do some form of road work, potholes, the signs, uh, stormwater management, um, trash pickup. Uh, they really run the gamut in terms of the variety of things they do. So real quickly, before we start talking about some of these road projects, Perry, tell, uh, tell folks that are listening what our public services department does. Sure. Good morning, Dan. Um, we, we are the largest department in the city, and we do, a, uh, like you mentioned, we do a wide variety of things. So the, the two biggest areas are public works, which is maintenance of all the streets, traffic, um, also includes rough use and recycling pickup. And then the other biggest area is utilities, water and sewer. Mm -hmm. So we operate the water and uh, sewer system within the city. Um, public services also includes Winchester Transit, our public transit operation, um, facility maintenance, the maintenance of all the city-owned buildings. Um, and, and then we also do uh, engineering and we manage all of the city's capital major construction projects. Mm -hmm. So 
That's a lot of stuff. You're a pretty powerful guy, Perry. How long have you been with the city? Well, I've I've been lucky to be here for over 14 years now. Awesome. But but um, I think I have the best job in the city because every every day is different, and we really enjoy being able to see the impact that what we we do ha- you know what we do af- affects pretty much every resident every day, and and so that's that's an enjoyable part of our job. Well said. Saying that you have the best job in the city, but you're also the person that oversees snow removal and uh, picking up the trash. That's a <clears throat> that's a pretty powerful statement coming from somebody that oversees uh, areas that a lot of folks sometimes like to complain about potholes, <laughs> uh, getting their streets plowed. But uh, you know, being relatively new to the city, uh, you know, uh, I gotta say we have got a top notch when it comes to snow removal that we've seen over the last this week sure uh man those guys do an awesome job they they really do we we have a, a very dedicated group of individuals that work for us and they're they're the ones that make it happen we're we're very fortunate to have such a good group of employees they they do a great job they seem to have fun while they're doing it too they do they do absolutely and you know enjoying what you do is is important for all of us always yeah absolutely so the, the reason why we have you here today is to talk about a few big projects. These are road projects that uh, <clears throat> are really going to affect people's ability to move around the city. Uh, they're necessary. Sometimes a lot of times folks complain about road construction, but hey, you don't have nice roads unless you do road construction. So um, we got three big projects uh, coming up that I know a lot of people are going to have questions about. So why don't you, uh, let's start off with uh, the the Valley Project. Sure. So... Um, this project is on Valley Avenue, the south end of the city, from basically Middle Road down to the southern city limits where Rubbermaid is located. Mm-hmm. So primarily, there, there's two key components. There are some major drainage issues on Valley Avenue, mm-hmm. especially around Tevis Street. Mm-hmm. So um, when we get a big rain, we tend to call it Lake Tevis. because the water basically fills up the street there. Hmm. So we are going to solve those drainage issues. Hmm. And then the other big component of Valley Avenue is while there are some sidewalks, Mm -hmm. there are many gaps in the, in the, in the sidewalks. So where no sidewalks currently exist, we will be installing new sidewalks on both sides of the street. Um, That's awesome. Yes. Unfortunately, you know, if you drive down Valley Avenue, you often see people having to walk out in the street mm-hmm. because there are no sidewalks. So this is going to be a huge safety improvement for for our residents. That's awesome. And when's that kicking off? When should when will it wrap up? That that project just started, so the contractors out there, um, and they the project completion will be by July of twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. so it's it's a year and a half long project. That's a bit of pretty big one. Now, for big projects like these, I know sometimes uh, the public always asks, you know, why why aren't the, why don't these things happen quickly? Why why does it take so long for big projects to to occur? Real briefly, give folks a, a quick taste of what it what goes into making one of these projects a reality. Really, the 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 majority of the work is on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the funding you know obviously we can't do 
these projects without the funding. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, we try to obtain as much state and federal funding as we can, and that's supplemented with, with city funds. So, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces on the funding, and it, and it often takes a while to, to make that happen. Um, and, and while it's great to get state and federal funds, those often come with um, certain requirements. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the, they have to review everything, and it, it, it extends the length of time to, to do a project from mm-hmm. beginning to end. But, you know, in the end, it's worth it. Um, oftentimes we say once we actually get to the construction, the hardest part of the project is over. Yeah. Um, just, just because of all the upfront planning work. And especially if there's impacts to property owners where we have mm-hmm. to get easements or right away, that, that, that can, you know, that takes a while to go through that process. Gotcha. Let's move on to Hope Drive. Yes, Hope Drive, uh, something that the city's talked about for a long time, and and certainly there is an existing section of Hope Drive off of Valley Avenue. But this project will extend Hope Drive all the way over to Pleasant Valley Road. So there will be a new railroad crossing. Um, The two existing crossings, one on Paper Mill Road and one on Tevis Street, those will go away. Mm-hmm. And so there will just be one new crossing. But in essence, when when this project gets completed, there will be a, a primary route that folks will be able to take from Valley Avenue going east past Pleasant Valley over the new crossover uh, boulevard with the bridge over the interstate that's expected to open later this year. Hmm. So it will be a primary east-west connector route where people can go from U.S. Route 11, Valley Avenue, over Mm -hmm. to U.S. Route 522 in Frederick County. So that will alleviate a lot of the traffic that you see on Jubal Early today, which is really the city's only primary east-west route. Starts, finishes? Basically the same same schedule as um, the Valley Avenue project. Contractor has started. Uh, they have a year and a half to get all the work done, so uh, July of 2022. You mentioned the the crossover boulevard project. Yes. What's the latest on that? The la- the, the city's portion is, is completed, and it's been done for really a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. The, um, the bridge pro- project and then the section of new road on the east side of the interstate, it's proceeding very well, and the last that I heard was that should be opening up later this fall awesome yeah i know a lot of people are very excited uh, especially a lot of uh, a lot of our employees here that come in from coming from the south and yes. are looking for alternate ways to get into the city yes absolutely uh before we wrap up any uh, any other major projects on a uh, tevis actually Tevis, the other one, it, these projects are all seem almost also interconnected they they are because um, on on Tevis Street, we will be installing a new storm drain line from Valley Avenue to part of the Hope Drive project. Oh. As part of the Hope Drive project, we're building a new stormwater management pond. Okay. So all of this stormwater from Valley Avenue will go 
to this new pond, which is adjacent to the railroad tracks. So yes, there all of these are are very much related. Interesting. So yes. for a lot of our residents, it might seem like it's one massive uh, yes roadway project, but it's actually three distinct projects. Right. Awesome. Yep. Is it the same contractor for all three? There's one contractor for Hope Drive. Okay. And then there's one contractor for Valley and doing the work on Tevis. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Excellent. Well, he didn't mention the cul-de-sac. Yes. So at the conclusion of the, the Hope Drive project, Tevis Street will cul-de-sac um, really just north of the Frederick Douglass Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And so that, as I mentioned previously, that the existing railroad crossing on Tevis Street goes away. Mm-hmm. So Tevis Street, which is primarily a residential street, will not have all of that through traffic now. Oh, great. They'll, they'll be able to use Hope Drive. And, and so that will be beneficial for those those residents. Awesome. Yeah. It's a pretty annoying railroad track. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of the struggles that we deal with is, is dealing with CSX and um, making sure, because they are the only ones that can work on their crossings. And, and so, you know, getting them to do things when we think it needs to be done is, is, is not always easy. <laughs> Yeah, you, rep- you repaired it not too long ago because it used to be really rough. Yes. But now we're getting rid of it altogether. We're getting rid of it altogether, so that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, Perry, thanks for coming in, giving us an update. My and pleasure. And if, if our residents have any other questions uh, about this, we do have a couple of really awesome videos uh, on our website that provide some more context and more information. Amy, why don't you tell folks how to find those on the website? If you go to winchesterva.gov and click the City Projects button, or you can just search for the Hope, Tevis, or uh, Valley Project, and it'll come right up. Awesome. Well, Perry, thanks for coming in, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you around soon. I think you probably will. (laughs) Thanks, Perry. (laughs) Thank you. Perry Osnock is, I would say, really one of the the unsung heroes. Public services, it's, it's not as you know, for lack of a better word, glamorous as some other parts of public service, right. uh, you know, police officers, you know, and, and their valor gets a lot of attention. Firefighters and their service and, you know, putting themselves in harm's way gets a lot of attention sometimes. But I tell you, during uh, during snow removal or uh, those guys are up at all hour, working overnight at all hours away from their shifts. family, 12 yeah. hour shifts, um, you know, leaving their loved ones at home to shovel. Uh, you know, it is when, when the city is closed and we're home warm in our houses and we're working remotely in some cases, uh, those guys are out in the cold shoveling and plowing. So uh, that's, a, that's a great team there. Yep, and we appreciate it. So moving on, we're going to, uh, in a lot of these podcasts, we're going to occasionally touch on some frequently asked questions. Now, if there's stuff you want to hear us discuss uh, you can actually submit that on the website. Uh, Amy, tell folks where they can do that. Yeah, it's on our Rouse Review webpage. It's uh, winchesterva.gov slash Rouse-review, or you can just search for Rouse Review. There is a online form that you can fill out that just asks question, one simple question, what do you want to hear, or what is your question? Absolutely, and we'll try to cover as many of them as possible. One of the things we're going to discuss um, today, and kind of under our our mailbag or frequently asked questions topic is uh, is about animals. 
obviously uh, humans coexisting with with animals in an urban or quasi urban setting sometimes uh, you know we, we step on each other's toes whether it is deer or uh, geese or in some cases bunnies um, <clears throat> so we get a lot of calls the city um, does have a role in uh, in all of that so we had a question just recently about uh, a a blue heron that was in distress. I'll talk about that in just a second. But for those of you who, uh, if you see an animal and you feel like that animal is uh, injured or in distress or uh, poses a danger to the neighborhood, to to your neighbors, uh, you should definitely call uh, the police department because we have an animal control officer. We have two, actually. We have two of them. That's awesome. I think we're going to call one here in just a second because he's going to be able to answer a lot of these questions better than I can. So uh, our animal control officers, or ACOs for short, uh, you know, they do things like um, if injured animals, uh, including feral cats. Um, if a human has been exposed or bitten by an animal, so that possum is hanging out in your backyard for some unknown reason and you decide you want to move them, Maybe don't. Maybe call animal <laughs> control. Let them take care of that. Um, pets. Um, if your pet has face-to-face interaction with with a wild animal, there's a lot of nasty stuff they can pick up. Um, you know, you want to make sure that obviously rabies is the is the big one we all think about, but there are a lot of other things. Um, or if there has been a fight between two domesticated animals, two dogs fighting, two cats fighting. Uh, a dog and a cat fighting. Um, that's that's another reason why you might want to call uh, the police department and get some assistance. Now, a lot of times folks ask about deer, general wildlife management. That is really not the animal control officer's responsibilities. They can help you and they can connect to, to the proper resources, but the state actually is in charge of, of wildlife management. And there are a lot of rules uh, and and laws in place to protect some of the wildlife. And I think the one we see most often are deer. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I just uh, about a month or two ago got some messages from a concerned citizen about a, a herd of deer that um, I believe were wandering <laughs> wandering around their neighborhood, crossing over, I believe it was Bellevue. Um, and you know, that's something where the city's not equipped to just scoop up a herd of deer and, and relocate them. That's not ours. In fact, it is illegal for someone to try to um, capture a deer really? and hold it. Yep. Uh, I'm, we'll, we'll ask uh, Officer Sales in just a second, but uh, <clears throat> there, there are rules to protect the wildlife because what we don't want are people um, you know, really injuring themselves or inadvertently injuring the animals. Um, you know, just because they think they might be doing the right thing. Let's try to call uh, Officer Sales real quick. This is Officer Sales. Officer Sales, it's Dan Hoffman. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good to hear from you, buddy. What's, all right. Nice to hear from you. What's going on today? <clears throat> so, uh, I am recording. Uh, a, a podcast. It's this thing we do, Rouse Review. I got Amy Simmons uh, here with me as well. Yes, uh, that's who I was calling. I was listening for her voice, and I heard your voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is that Amy? I was like, I didn't know. Sorry, no. Uh, Amy has that's a okay. 
Amy has a much more sweet voice than I do. Well, I was expecting <clears throat> that, but I wasn't sure. Officer sales. Uh, so you're one of our two animal control officers, and I know yes. we've, we've been getting uh, a few questions about what the role of an ACO is and uh, what kind of you do and don't do. Could you just take a couple of minutes, uh, you know, maybe give us the distinction between what an ACO does and what the state wildlife uh, entities do? So basically, in wildlife situations, basically, if you have a wildlife call, like um, a raccoon, anything wildlife, we always uh, reference Blue Ridge. They're great, and you can call them, and they'll tell you if an animal's injured, they want it, and mm-hmm. if it's wildlife. Um, there's certain wildlife they won't take, like bats and deer they won't, but if it's a wildlife question, you can always call Blue Ridge, and then they'll take care of that. What is Blue the, Ridge? Blue Ridge Wildlife Center out in Boyce, Virginia. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. Who runs that? Is that a private agency or is that it, a state it, thing? No, it's, it's a nonprofit organization. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like I said, you can get on their Facebook site and basically look them up and stuff. They're, like I said, they're, they're real real helpful. And have any, if you have any questions like about baby birds falling out of the, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Falling out of yeah. the tree and stuff. I called them before and they were, you know, saying, no, you actually put them back in there. Put them back in the nest. Leave them there. They'll be fine. You know, there's huh. always that rumor is and you leave them there. Leave them alone. No, actually, they say place them in the nest. Make a makeshift nest. They're real good. So. Oh, wow. I always mm. thought that you weren't supposed to touch them because the mothers would smell you on them and then they would like kick them out of the nest or <laughs> yeah. something. And that's what I was told too, but I had a few a dove situation where they was like, "No, make a nest, put them back in there." And the mother actually came back and took care of them. So, yeah. I that's had good no, to know. I had no idea. Yeah. These old yeah. wives tales, literally yeah. or or mother's yeah. tale. I'm pretty sure my mom told me that back in the day and no no surprise, she was wrong. Um, exactly. So, yeah, like I said, and, and they're, they're great. You get, get their number as any kind of wildlife stuff. And now wildlife in the house, like sometimes possums or raccoons will get in the house. Yes, you call animal control. We'll get that out of there. Anytime there's a safety issue with an animal, a dog running, a dog, a cat that gets hit, um, uh, just, just any calls. Bat calls, we get a lot of those things. Any animal thing related, we're going to pretty much deal with. And we'll gotcha. be able to reference somebody to something. Okay. Now tell me about deer, because I know, you know, there's deer, I believe, are protected by the state, correct? Yeah, but here's the thing with the injured deer. Um, unfortunately, they don't rehabilitate deer. Hmm. Wildlife, um, the Blue Ridge will rehabilitate a bunch of things. And unfortunately, if it's an injury, a lot of times I'll take videos or pictures and ask Blue Ridge, what do you think? Is this uh, thing going to survive or not? And a lot of times you just have to humanely, you know, put them down. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you can't rehabilitate them. There's that certain disease that they carry and stuff, and they gotcha. just, you just can't rehabilitate them. Yes. But but our residents, under no circumstances, should try to capture deer. <laughs> no, oh, definitely not. No, you, <laughs> do, do, you shouldn't be capturing any wildlife at all, basically. The only wildlife you can pretty much feed here in the city is, like, birds, wild birds. So you're not supposed to be feeding groundhogs, raccoons. It's actually against the state law. You're not supposed to feed anything. Interesting. Yeah, only birds. Only birds. So uh, speaking of birds, out at Jim Barnett Park, uh, I think it was late last week or early this week, uh, there was a blue heron out there that got tangled in some some fishing line. When when someone sees something like that, should they, who should they contact? 
definitely call us. I mean, basically, we need to start for everything here. Okay. They call animal control. A- any kind of animal that's injured or hurt, that's our thing to get them to the animal hospital and whatnot. Yeah, call animal control and we'll assess it. And if we can help them out or if they're injured, we're going to take them to, once again, Blue Ridge Wildlife or just help them get free if they're free to go, then that's fine. That's awesome. Well, uh, Officer Sales, I appreciate you uh, letting us give you a call and, and getting some answers to some of these questions. It was good hearing your voice, and I look forward okay. to seeing you around out on the street. All right, no problem. Thank you, man. For sure, tell people any any animal concerns, cats, dogs, dogs being left outside. Like I said, the big thing now is with that legislature a year ago at changing, if the weather's below 32 degrees people to bring their animals in you know, that's right supposed to be out there let them out to go to the restroom but you need to get them back inside you know what i mean yes so there's a lot of questions that you can call animal control about yeah for pete's sake folks do not leave your animals outside during this i've got a one somebody in my neighborhood has a cat that they leave out and that thing basically lives under my porch uh yeah. so one of these days i might be giving you a buzz officer sales you call and we, i'll send you in the right direction so i can't help you all right? all right thank you very much officer take care you be safe you too take care all right bye, all right, bye. he's the best he is uh i've had a chance to chat with him and in fact i've been meaning to do a ride along with him just to kind of see you know kind of day in the life of a of an animal control officer uh, it's always helpful for you know for us to to see uh, for us. I mean, particularly for me as city manager, um, you know, given the the variety of things I have to oversee, you know, it, spending time with folks out on the front lines uh, really helps me feel a little more connected to what they're doing and helps them feel a little more connected, hopefully, to what we're doing here in City Hall. But a lot of that will have to wait till after COVID. Well, it's too bad you weren't on the call about three or four years ago when there was a goat running loose in the city a goat yes of all things in the middle of our metropolitan area where metropolitan area <laughs> yes the great That's metropolis us, of, right? <laughs> of winchester we're straight up gotham i'm sure but not a place for goats no though, right? no in fact we i mean there's a lot of um debate just about whether or not we should have chickens right? in the city that's going to be coming to coming up on a our planning and economic development committee later this month um, discussing chickens, whether or not people should be allowed to keep chickens. Uh, they are, you know, very strong opinions on both sides of that of one. Of course, so yes, It I'm should sure. be a good discussion. All right. Um, well, that just about does it for us. Uh, but before we wrap up, Amy, real quick, give us um, a few, few tidbits, a few uh, hot tips on what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, sure. We've got a couple of programs coming up at the park. So if you love volleyball, they have a We Love Volleyball Hat Tournament. And uh, registration is coming up on February 13th. You have to be at least 18 years old to play. And they also have their youth basketball leagues coming up for ages 9 to 10 and 11 to 13. Uh, Registration um, is coming up on the 15th. So register now. Also, uh, next month, I'm very excited about this as a baseball and softball fan. My daughter plays softball. She's slightly obsessed. Uh, the park has a new event on March 27th. It's the Major League Baseball Junior Home Run Derby. Hmm. So it's free to participate for ages 12 and under and 14 and under. And uh, just all you got to do is pre-register. That's awesome. I can't wait for that one. Also, our parking garages are going to get some new technology. So hopefully it'll be easier to exit and enter coming up soon for monthly and hourly parkers. Uh, we will be closed because it's President's Day mm-hmm. on the 15th. So wind trend routes will be canceled, the courts will be closed, and our rec center will also be closed. 
And then uh, we are celebrating Black History Month. Wonderful. It's February, right? So we are hosting or posting some uh, videos mm-hmm. on our social media pages and our new webpage for Black History. So go there and learn about Ruth Jackson, mm-hmm. Robert Robert Orrick, Douglas School, and Spotswood Bowls this, this month. That's awesome. I saw the uh, Ruth Jackson one. It was really well done. Thank uh, you. It's a very nice video. Good job. But that's it. That's all All I right. Have. Well... Uh, for Amy and myself and everybody here at City Hall, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, make sure if you have anything you want us to discuss to visit the website. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay warm. <laughs> <laughs>